Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Colonial Woods, how are we doing this morning? Good? You are much livelier than the 10 a.m. service. They were like, woo. So, so thank you. I'm excited um, to be here this morning and to be able to share with you what God's kind of laid on my heart. Um, we've been in this series called Stubborn Prayer, Stubborn Prayer, and uh, it, the focus is in Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel is kind of where we've been, and we kind of use this phrase that he still prays in Daniel uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 13, um, it says that in, in the midst of persecution, Daniel still prayed. So that's kind of where we use this idea of stubborn prayer. Now, when I think of the word stubborn, I think of the word that my mom used for me the entire time I grew up. Uh, and, and so I just always heard, hey, you're just, you're a stubborn little kid. Uh, that's just kind of my personality. And some of you in here are like, yeah, I relate. I know a few stubborn people uh, as well. So I kind of know that phrase. Um, if you're looking at your spouse right now, keep your eyes forward, all right? Okay, just focus on me. Um, but, but that's kind of the phrase that they use. So I called my parents this week, and I was like, all right, mom, dad, you, you kind of told me, I heard a lot, and you even still tell people that I was just a stubborn child. Do you have like any examples or anything like that? And without hesitation, they like fired off like three or four of these things of like, this is how it was. And so um, for me, kind of, they said it started when I was younger. Um, uh, about one and a half is when they started really seeing the stubbornness come out in me. And they had like these knickknacks all around the house. And they put most of them away, but there's some that you kind of leave out because you want people to see them when they come over. And uh, I was probably just starting to talk at this point in time, but I knew I wanted to grab or hold these knickknacks. And so my, my parents were sitting there trying to help me learn the word no, right? As parents are supposed to do, you're teaching yes, no, that type of thing. So I would reach out with my hand and try and grab those knickknacks. And my dad nicely would come in and he would tap my hand and say no. And I'd pull my hand back and I would look at my dad and then I would look at the knickknacks and look at my dad and go, right? And so I'd grab him, so, so he's trying to help me learn, so he would tap my hand just a slightly a little harder, and, and so I would pull my hand back and look at my dad and look at the knickknacks and look at my dad and go, right? My dad said this lasted for over a minute. He said, I didn't cry at all, but he was almost at the point of tears, because he's like, I'm hurting my son. By the time he looks down after a minute, my hand is all red, and he's like, oh no, what's going on? And so he decides that, in, it, because I'm not stopping, that he literally has to put, pick me up, put me in another part of the room, and give me a toy, and, and I learned that I won, right, because I'm that good at one and a half, and, and, and he said, man, he's just a stubborn kid, and it didn't stop as I got older. I'm four, three, four, five years old, and my mom would tell me that they had to change up my discipline style about every two weeks, because about every two weeks, I would get to a place where like, fine, I don't care, and, and they'd have to change it up, so we, don't call anybody, but we were a spanking family, all right, and so I, I got spanked 
quite a bit. Um, I'm pretty sure there was like a sign on our door that says, if you want to spank a child, mine's open for business. But, um, but I, so we were spanking. So they would come in, and, and they like for two weeks, they'd be spanking. And all of a sudden, I get to a place where I, I go, fine, spank me. I don't care. And, and, I, and then I could go on to what I was doing. They said, I, from a little age, I would stick out my chin and just kind of like, come on, right? So they would then go to grounding, and they'd stick me in my room. And then about two weeks, I'd go, fine, send me to my room. I don't care. And, and then we get to a place where we're like, fine, we're going to take away your toys. Fine, take away my toys. I don't care. I just had this stubborn streak in me. And, and so I tried to figure out where this come from. It wasn't until about fifth grade when I realized kind of where this came from. And um, I, I was, didn't want to go to school one day. And I know no one in here would ever do this, uh, fake being sick to get out of something. You guys are way better Christians than I am. But, um, but I faked, I was going to tell my mom, hey, I'm not feeling great, so I wouldn't have to go to school that day. And so my mom, um, she, she kind of got the hint that I was faking it, but she goes, all right, Dan, if, if, you, if you're sick, then, then you can stay home, but you have to stay in your bed all day. And for me as a kid, what I hear is I stay in my bed for an hour, and then I say I'm feeling a little better, and I get to go to the couch and watch TV and play video games, and I get a day off school. So, so remember, none of you have ever done anything like that, right, um, in your time in history. So, so, I, so I tell my mom, you know, hey, I'm sick. She lets me stay home. I'm in my bed. Now, we had a set of bunk beds, and I was in the top bunk. And about an after an hour, I call my mom, mom, I'm feeling better. Can I, can I go to the couch? And she goes, oh, Daniel, because she calls me Daniel. Daniel, no, no. You see, you said you weren't feeling good, and I said you would stay in your bed all day until you felt better. And so you won't be getting down from your bed until school is done. And I had two bathroom breaks that day. Uh, it was like jail. And uh, I had no toys. I had no anything. And she brought my lunch and served it to me in my bed. And I literally was not allowed to get off my bed. And what I learned is I get my stubbornness from my mother. She directly passed it down. And uh, she won that day on how we do. Now, here's the deal. I stubbornness when we hear that word so many of us think of a person or we have kids like that we use that phrase we know what that means but when we started doing the series can I tell you I would have never put the phrase stubborn with the word prayer think about it. have you ever heard that have you ever heard the the phrase stubborn prayer before that, that we are so focused on what God has called us to do that no matter what we are willing to pray and be stubborn about how much we pray. And, and it's hit me in this series that isn't that what God has called us to do? And so we have tried to create a habit, even in our church, of that utilizing the, the 613 as a time. And that passage in Daniel, when, when Daniel is being persecuted and told not to pray or he's going to be thrown in the lion's den, and it says of Daniel in 613, he prays. So we as a church have used that as kind of a time frame where twice a day at 613 we're going to pray. And how many of you learned that twice a day, there's a 6.13 in the morning and the evening, right? I just learned that. It's pretty good. Um, and, uh, but we have this time because we're trying to create a habit of stubborn prayer. And as we look at the book of Daniel, and we have been walking through that book, we see a guy who just exhibited this phrase of stubborn prayer. 
And church, I got to tell you, that's that's a, a tall order to live up to, but I believe that God is calling us to be stubborn prayers in the midst of what's going on. Now, as we look at this, um, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3. You can turn, turn there. As we look at this passage, Daniel, which is what the book is focused on, is on Daniel. I don't know if you've picked that up by the name of the book, is Daniel. So that's who we've been focusing on. I'm pretty partial to this book because it's my name too. But um, there's a couple other guys as well that they, they kind of talk about and mention. And we want to look at these three other guys today. And what's happened, um, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, but in Daniel chapter 1, you'll read at the time, is uh, the Babylonians have taken over the Israelites. That's, that's the line of Judah, all that stuff. And in that time frame, what they have done, King Nebuchadnezzar has said, hey, I want to take the best people of the Israelites, and I want to turn them into best people for me. So I want the smartest people, the best-looking people, and it truly says that, everybody you can think of that is in the, the top positions, and I want to train them in the way of Babylonians, and when we train them in that way, then I want to put them in tall order so that we have the best of the best kind of in charge of what's happening um, in Babylon at the time. And so they call these people, and Daniel and his three people are some of those people. Here's what it says, chapter 1, verse 6 says, Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. And what Nebuchadnezzar was trying to do is as he, as he got these guys in there, each of their names, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and um, uh, the other one, <laughs> Azariah, uh, each of these guys, their names meant something that connected them to Yahweh, to God. And so what he wanted to do is to give them Babylonian names, and that's why he switched their names, is he didn't want them to have any connection to their past. Now, interesting, throughout the book of Daniel, Daniel is still called Daniel, which is his, which is his he- Hebrew name. Um, only 10 times in the book of Daniel do they actually call him Belshazzar. 65 times they still keep him as Daniel. Whereas Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's how we know them, right? And those are their new names. If you're a VeggieTale fan, you know them as Rack, Shack, and Benny. Um, and so that's how I grew up knowing them, right? Uh, but they, for whatever reason, ha- have kept their, their Babylonian names Um, And so we come and we hear about these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Daniel chapter 3 is where we pick up their stories. At this point in time, Daniel, we don't know where he's at. Uh, Some different scholars believe different things. They think that maybe he's off on other business, uh, working for the Babylonian Empire and his role. He had some health issues. that They said sometimes he could have been sick and not been in. But whatever there is, we come to this place in Daniel chapter 3 that talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says this, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set it up to the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. 
Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. So, remember, uh, the Hebrew guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they've been brought into this. And the, the Babylonian people, they weren't big fans of this. And so some of those chief advisors and astrologers, they were kind of upset. So they're trying to get them in trouble. And so they go to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they're like, hey, you need to know something about these guys. And so if you move to verse 12, it says this. But there are some Jews, and this is the advisors talking to Nebuchadnezzar, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to these men. Um, So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Stubborn, right? Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God's. So a lot of you may have heard that story growing up, and what ends up happening is King Nebuchadnezzar calls for those guys to come out. They walk out of the furnace and uh, there's no problem with them, no big, they're not harmed at all. King Nebuchadnezzar goes, wow, your God saved you like you said, um, and because of that, we want to keep you in a good place, and so he even promoted them. Now here's the deal. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not know what would happen when they said no to King Nebuchadnezzar. They did not know that they would survive and when they were in the fire they did not know that they would walk out of it they believed they could but they didn't know it and yet in the face of all of that they still said we're not going to do what you tell us to do to me that's some stubborn prayer right i i want you guys to know today church that i believe every single one of us if we are not currently in the fire of life, we have been or we're going to be. And I I believe that every single person here knows someone who's going through the fire, that you've dealt with it. And the thing is, is Satan is going to attack his people. We know that. 
And when Satan attacks and we are in the middle of the fire, what is our response? How are we going to handle this thing? What, what does prayer look like when we do that? Because God is going to call us to be stubborn prayers whether we're in the fire or not. There's nowhere in Scripture that I see that by being a Christian or a believer, life is going to be easy. That, that, that's a misnomer. That's not true. We have someone who's going to walk through it with us, but it does not mean life is going to be easier. And so we have to do, know what we're going to do to make this happen. So when Satan attacks, are we going to be stubborn prayers? And so what do we do as we look at this passage? Well, when we pray, the first thing we need to know is we don't need to defend God or our action of prayer. Look at verse 16. It says, we don't need to defend ourselves. Have you ever noticed when you're going through something, you feel like you have to defend why it's happening to, about God? Well, yeah, I'm going through this, but God's got a big plan. We've got to do all this, and we start telling everybody else what's going on. It's almost like a pep talk for ourselves, but we feel we have to justify what God's doing. We don't need to do that. You know why? Because God is God, and he's big, and he can do whatever he wants to do. Right? We don't need to defend his actions. Yet so often we do that, and then we start defending to other people our action of prayer. We start justifying what's happening. We start giving excuses for what God is doing. We don't need to do that. God has big shoulders. He can handle what's going on, and sometimes we just need to go, you know what, I'm in the fire. I don't understand it, but we'll figure it out. We don't need to defend God or our action of prayer. Yet so often that's what we first do when we start getting close to the fire. We start seeing this happen. And what happens is, is if those things don't come to pass the way we think it should, then we get upset. God doesn't need our defense. He doesn't need our justification. The second thing that we have to do is we must trust that our God is able. Notice that in verse 17 it says, The God we serve is able to save us from it. To save us from the fire. That we have to recognize that when we're in the fire, God can save us. And here's, here's what I want you to know. Knowing, believing, and trusting are three different things. We can know something to be true. We can even believe it, but when it's our turn to go through it, do we actually trust in that? Pastor Phil uses his illustration often about trust is putting your full weight or confidence in something. I know this is a chair. I believe this chair can hold me up, but I'm a big boy. And so when I sit on this chair, do I trust it enough to hold all of my weight, right? And so that's me sitting down and going, woo, right? I trust that this will hold up. Now, as a big guy, and some of you might in here know what I'm talking about, I've had chairs break on me before, right? When you sit on and it breaks down there. What do I do the next time I go up to that chair? I see you, chair. Yep, we'll try this, right? And I'm very timid, and I'm, I'm, I, I kind of slowly get on there, and I'm like, okay, do I trust this thing? Oh, yeah, we're good, right? And then I'm willing to sit on it. Trusting God is putting your full weight, your full confidence that God can do it. And that's easy to tell other people when they're going through it. But when we're going through it, do we trust, do we put our full weight that God is able to save us from what we're going through? Those are different things. Knowing, believing, and trusting so the question I have in this is, are we moving towards an action of trust? 
You see, me sitting in this chair, there was an action step that I took. Are we moving towards the action of trust? Do we move forward in such a way that we believe God is able to do that? that that's what we're looking for, is the action step that God has. You see, trust in God recognizes God's power. Lack of trust says, God, I just don't know. The, the third thing, as we look at this idea when we're in the fire, about to be in the fire, what do we do when we pray? We must trust even if we don't like the answer. It says in verse 18, but even if he does not, even if he does not, six words that just kind of permeate in my heart. So often we think there's two answers when we ask God of something. Yes and walk away. He either tells us yes or he walked away from us. When that's not reality. There's a yes and there's a no. We just don't like the no. We just don't like it. And we view when God tells us no, that he's walked away. He says, even if he doesn't save us, are we able to do that? So often it's like this. If we, if you ever put a puzzle together and you didn't have the box top to show you the picture. Some people do this just to see if they can do it. It, it, it. But if you've ever taken one puzzle piece and you're like, oh man, where does this go? And they don't have the picture, we try and pick where it goes, right? It's kind of like life, is we're going through life and we have a part of the puzzle, it's our piece. And we say, this is what should happen, and God's up there with the box top. He's like, nope. And we go, wait, wait, are you sure? And he's like, pretty sure. And we say, well, are you, you don't really know it. And he goes, no, I'm looking at it. Because he sees the whole picture. And we're dealing with the puzzle piece. And here's the deal, church. Until God puts out an application for his job, says, hey, looking for a new God. We have to trust that even if we get a no, that he is still with us. Pastor Ann in her Bible study this week said something very profound. She does that a lot, by the way. And she said this, God's eternal purposes don't always align with our temporary plans. Meaning that our temporary things of what we think should happen doesn't always align with God's big eternal purposes in this world. And so there are times that we will hear a no. And there are times that we won't like it. And that we will be in the fire going, what is happening? And yet we have to sit and go, but even if he doesn't, it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change what he's doing. So the question here is, can we, can we as believers still believe God is God, even if we don't agree with it? Even if we don't like it? And even if it's a no, can we still pray and believe that God is able? The fourth thing, that when we pray, we have to understand that there is always another one in the fire with us. In verse 24, it says, weren't there three men? <laughs> Look, I, I, see, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth Looks like the Son of God. Son of God's. Church, so often we're at a place where 
we're looking for the big miracle and we're looking out there going, God, where, where is it? I've asked you to heal this. I've asked you to save my marriage. I've asked you to take care of my kids and we're looking. And so often God's like, you're looking in the wrong direction because I'm right here next to you. I, I'm going through this with you. You see, God loved you so much and he loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. He went through all of the torment and the torture, the pain and the suffering so that he can understand and he wants to walk through that with you. He is calling us to believe in him that, that even when it's a no, he's going to be right there. A couple weeks ago, I, uh, we found out that a family member, uh, they found some, some masses and they were concerned that it might be cancer. And so the morning they were going in for the procedure, I, I called, said, hey, can I pray with you before you go in? And so we prayed and we prayed for peace and we prayed for understanding, but we also prayed for healing. And can I tell you, when I hung up that phone that day, I believe there's going to be healing. I remember praying specifically, God, let the doctors find nothing and be so confused that they will come closer to you because the only explanation is the Lord. And I believed it. I still believed it. I know that could happen. And so I hung up the phone going, okay, that's great. I, I think it's going to be good and we're going to get there in a couple weeks. We're going to find out what's going on. And I kind of even forgot about it because I was so I was there. I was trusting so much that it would be a healing. And I sat down um, last week to, to write this message and started looking at the passage. I was talking with Pastor Ryan about it, and so we were talking about it. And as I was writing it and getting in there, in the middle of writing this message, reading this, I get a call from, uh, from the family member. We find out that it's cancer. And I remember sitting there in my office, crying, going, are you kidding me? How, how could this be? God, I trusted you. I believed in you. I know that you're able to do this, so why not? Why are we getting this diagnosis? I got to be honest, I got to a place where I go, I don't even want to continue writing this right now because I'm struggling to believe what it's saying. So I sit there and I'm praying to the Lord, kind of mad at him, if I can say that, yelling at him. In my email box, I see that I have a new email from Pastor Ryan. And it's a video about a song called Another in the Fire. We just sang it. And it's the writer of the song talking about his journey as he wrote this. He felt the Lord called him to write this. In the middle of writing this song, they find out that their son, who's three years old, who hasn't talked yet, has autism. And in that, he says, you know what? He tells the co-writer, goes, I think I'm done with this song. Because he says, I don't think I can, I don't believe it. Church, there are a lot of us in the fire. There are a lot of us going through something that we can't fully understand, we don't know, we've prayed about, and we feel we have not gotten the answer. 
But can I tell you that we have a God who sent his son Jesus to walk through that with us? And I feel this morning we need to take an action step. So we're going to sing this song again, Another in the Fire. And I believe that for some of us, we need to take the action step of coming forward, saying, Lord, I believe. I don't understand. I don't even agree with something, but I believe that you're walking through this with me. And I want to open up these altars to you to say, Lord, I'm trusting in faith that you're always going to be with me. Maybe you're coming down for yourself. Maybe you're coming down for a family friend. I don't know. Maybe you need to sit and just kneel in your chair. Say, this is my altar. But what I know is that we have lots of people in our church who are going through the fire, or we know someone who is. And we have to claim the victory that there's another one there. So we're going to sing this song again. When it's done, we'll come back up and close in prayer. But I I believe God's calling you to see that there's another one in there with you this morning.
the name that is Jesus. He who wants and still lives and will be through it all. So come on, may in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning. I know I will never be alone. doctors say I gotta tell you I don't know what's gonna happen I don't know and there's sometimes when we're in the middle of the fire we don't know what's gonna happen but are we willing to trust and know that our God is still able and he is still God so this week that's the challenge that our God is able whether it's a yes or whether it's a no so we're going to pray and if you want to still come forward our prayer partners will be here if you want someone to pray with or if you want to sit in your seat whatever you want to do but don't miss a moment to claim victory that God is still with you he has not left you and he'll be there so Father we love you we thank you Lord, we don't always understand, and quite frankly, sometimes we're just angry about it. And I love that you're a God that allows us to be that way. But God, you're also a God who doesn't stop pursuing us, and you continue to come after us. And Lord, you're never going to leave us, you're never going to forsake us, but you will always stand next to us. And you will go through the fire with us, Lord. 
So may we remember that this morning. May when we feel alone and we don't know where to turn, we put our hope in you and your son, Jesus, who died on our behalf so that we could someday be with with you, Lord. So this morning we thank you and we give you all the honor and glory you deserve. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.